listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 80 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. everyone and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making my name is Stephen hovaki and as always i'm here with my co-hosts Hassan godwin and latham conger the third our returning guest tonight is one of the leads our returning guest tonight is one of the world's leading experts in story and narrative design working to maximize the effectiveness of brand narratives develop new worlds and design successful transmedia franchises as well as working on such properties as avatar pirates of the caribbean halo and spider-man he has written and or produced hit comic books video games animated series global ad campaigns and immersive experiences for the likes of magic the gathering nintendo mattel coca-cola and the big d disney he also happens to be the ceo of starlight runner jeff gomez welcome back to Cinemental. Thank you so much for having me back. My God, I am Why? happy to have you back. Your uh, <laughs> first time around, your your movie picks were good, and we had a, a fun conversation. I will I will absolutely never forget uh, Hassan and Latham's experiences on Basket Case. And, uh, <laughs> I, I aim to please. <laughs> <laughs> Now it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Now That's it... right. So, uh, so starting off, we will suffer from consumption. All right, um, everybody got a drink, refreshments, or something like that. <laughs> Popcorn. <laughs> Buddy, everybody, everybody, relax. Do, I'll, I'll do TV first because it's because it's much smaller this week. Um, I finished uh, the second season of Black Spot. They ended up from the point at the end of the first season where I was worried about how they were going to approach the paranormal element that they suddenly decided to lean into at the end of the first season, they did actually an amazing job of turning it around and bringing it back to a reality and then transforming it even further by the end of the second season into something else entirely with one piece of information dropped in like the last five minutes of the episode. So I'm, I really hope that they do a third season of this. Uh, Jeff, this is a French uh, TV show on Netflix called black spot. Black spot. And it's uh, it's the, the woman who is the main character in the show is absolutely fantastic. You, you do have, she's unapologetic in the way she goes about her, what she does so whenever something comes up and there's some kind of conflict involved with her and another character there's never a point really where she where she turns and like backs down and says oh well i'm i'm really sorry about that or i'm not she's like she's always just like you know if the if, if anything she just says sorry that's the way it is you know and, and that's you know kind of where she's at with the whole process um but she's it's a really i i definitely recommend it to anybody who likes good good drama uh, as long as you can deal with the subtitles because there's no dub track um but it's I don't mind that. it's it's phenomenal 
Deal breaker. Okay. Uh, and then I started. Deal breaker. I, I started <laughs> deal breaker. I have to watch. Darn. I have to look at the screen the whole time. Forget uh, it. Can't can't do it. I will not read the pictures I'm watching. I start, <laughs> I, I started. I started watching a show called Ripper Street, uh, of which, uh, of which there is five seasons. And Jesus. and uh, well, it's British, so it's there's each se- each season is like I think the first three seasons there's eight episodes, the the fourth season is maybe six, and like the last one's five or something. They just get shorter yeah, and shorter. It's not as a they go deep, on. It's not a deep commitment. Yeah. Um. So I got through the whole like first... watching twelve years of NYPD Blue. Or, or yeah, or fifteen like of oh Supernatural. Yeah. So yeah, I got through the whole first season. Very enjoyable. Nice arcs on the characters, uh, and I just started the second season. It's fun. It's a it's a fun cop show that takes place in and around the time of, you know, it takes place in white. It's the Whitechapel Police Force. Oh, it's the Whitechapel yeah. Police Force, like six months after the Jack the Ripper murders. So it's like they're in amongst that era. But, you know, they're still just solving other crimes and they're still kind of under the under the the cloud of people still worried about every new murder that happens is Jack back. You know, that kind of thing. So that's really good. Second season starts off with the the cool addition of because it's the same time frame. The elephant man in the show uh, is around and like lives at the hospital that is in near Whitechapel. So that was a really cool addition to the first couple of episodes uh, this year or uh, not this year, but the second season. But that's all I really did with uh, with TV. Uh, We finished up Black Spot yesterday. So we're going to start something new, possibly Norwegian. Because there's a awesome. there's a ton of great Norwegian crime TV on Netflix right now that I that I just dying to dive into. Does it all involve girls with tattoos? I wish more <laughs> of it did actually, but no, no. But most well, I'd watch it if it but did. Most of it involves snow, so that's fine. So last week after Wednesday, I I did I I slipped into a little bit of a rabbit hole of auto racing documentaries, and I watched uh, I watched one called Steve Qu- Steve McQueen, the Man in Le Mans, and it was all about it was all about his quest to get the movie Le Mans made. Um, really, really interesting, really great story. It was, uh, there's a good portion of it, uh, is, is being told through audio recordings that were done for interviews with him at the time. So there's a lot of like real Steve McQueen audio, uh, and then a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff from his son who was also into auto racing for a while until he had a very bad crash. Um, oh, shit. and then I watched, uh, a documentary right after that called rapid response, which is about the guys who basically started basically the idea of having hospital services available at racetracks because before like 1972, it didn't exist. Like there were, there were like, there were like medics on site, but there was nothing, nothing like they have now where they like literally every, every sanctioned race by all the major race groups, you have to have a chopper available. You have to have, you know, most of these tracks all have like full emergency room level, you know, quality like stations in there on site with like doctors on site, multiple doctors, because a lot of times the crashes are, you know, you have three, four guys just really, really interesting. And like a history of like the safety side of racing as well from like, you know, they showed, they showed, and they showed crashes that I, a have never seen before and B where you're just like, I don't know how that guy is, how anyone is alive from that. You know, I mean, they did show one where a guy literally got ripped in half. Oh yeah. That's a famous one. Where a guy like spins back out onto the track and his car just gets pure T-boned by another Indy car. 
and the whole thing just splits like rips in half and you're like there's no way that guy lives and when they got to the car he was still alive oh so every time they live uh no no because there were some there i mean at the beginning especially there were a lot of fatalities because they didn't have guys there okay okay so Right. That makes sense. I mean, obviously, I mean, they didn't they didn't like they didn't spe- go into specifics like there was no mention of like the Dale Earnhardt crash. It was really more about it really focused more on indie racing and open wheel right. F1 Grand Prix and indie racing as opposed to NASCAR, because I think that most of like the medical side of stuff came out of the indie side and was kind of pushed out to all the other racing groups. But it was it was just a really interesting story because the guy the guy who was the focus of the documentary is the guy who actually developed all the programs from the beginning for all these, for like track medical response for auto racing. It was, it was really, it was kind of interesting. Then I watched uh, the next day I watched a documentary on the Long Island railroad massacre, which I did not know about. Uh, when did that happen? You didn't know about the Long Island? Oh well, you're not from. No, I'm New not York. from here, right? It was like yeah. 1992. Yeah. Uh, so I was, yeah. uh, I was not. Yeah, it was. It's basically this guy like just got onto a train on a Long Island. Uh, uh, Ferguson. His yeah, name was Ferguson, right? And he just yeah. he he got up. He got a gun out of his bag and he just started walking through the car, down past like facing people and just going each row of seating and just shooting people like point blank with a 45 caliber handgun. Steve, I, what, uh, what year? Nineteen ninety-two. Wow, I never, I've never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. neither. I lost someone I knew uh, in that match. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Like, wow. Uh, uh, he he was the father of a a, a dear friend, uh, one of the members of my Dungeons and Dragons group. Oh, oh sucks! Sorry uh, to hear that. Was, I didn't. I, um, I had no uh, idea. A, a uh, his uh, the the mom uh, became a. Uh, a congresswoman oh yeah yeah she's one of the focuses of the of the show or of the movie oh, is she, was, is was she a, in the uh i didn't know oh about yeah her. absolutely yeah because that was one in. of the things because basically she went to fight for something and yeah. like she was walking out of a meeting where they had all just kind of shut her down and this guy basically asked her he's like how serious are you about change make or making change and right. she's just like i'm very serious why and you guys well how would you feel about running for congress and yeah. she took the oh. and she took the guy's seat the next the next time he was you know the next election and he's, and she's like a 14 term congresswoman or whatever that's right that's right i mean it's a it's a it's it's a like i said it's a something for for something i'd never heard of before you know and i was asking deirdre about it because i was like when you know it was like she was like a i think she might have been a senior in high school maybe it was a big deal here in new york it's a very big deal yeah yeah um yeah it's right up there with like the central park jogger and you know like those that that era there was some it must like, have been what's his face uh the the white guy uh bernie yeah, yeah. bernie bernie gets but that's bernie the, gets. the 80s yeah but um <laughs> that was that was the 80s so i was a kid so i just remember that but i do remember but i used to take the long island railroad yeah. every week um right. for for something Jeez. in particular and so i you know that's it it certain things resonate with you just because you understand the surroundings like you right. understand that you know so yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting because this guy was ex-military and he and the thing was is he lived in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. But he was from Brooklyn, but he lived in the Bronx, but then he was on a Long Island railroad train and the whole thing, you know, and he eventually ended up being his own lawyer 
Mm-hmm. And they had all this footage of like the courtroom stuff where he would just like, he was just like start talking yeah, and he would he was... just, he would just say words. Yeah, true. He was yeah. just like saying stuff, but none of it went anywhere. And the judges like, would like be looking at him and he'd just like, be, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> he'd just be like, sir, you have to get to a question. It was just, it was, it was crazy. I, I like I said, I had never heard anything about it. So yeah. no, they never made a movie about it. Uh, like a fictionalized account, not or or a, it or wouldn't what, yeah, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't have been. It's a it's a political hot button. It was really oh, I mean yeah, his, they, his, his yeah it's a gun it. thing yeah his reason well not only that but his reasons for doing it were you know it's just subject matter that a lot of us just don't want to deal with you know <laughs> right so um, yeah and yeah. I, I don't I'm not justifying it I, I, no. by any stretch of the imagination it's just it's just something no one's going to want to talk about you fair know? enough fair enough um. But it was uh, he like he his one of his reasons he waited until they got out to Long Island out of respect for David Dinkins. You know, that's <laughs> that's one of his you know, that was I mean, that's that's what we're dealing with. You know, oh, that, yeah, that kind yeah, of that yeah. level of uh, oh Jesus, you know. Yeah. So very bad. Very, very uh, bad. Then Saturday morning, I watched a documentary that Latham, if you haven't seen, you should track down and try and see. OK, it's called Industrial Accident and it's the history of wax tracks. Oh yeah, I'm all over that. What was that? Uh... <laughs> I, I don't know that it's streaming anywhere, but uh, yeah, it's. From, I was going to say, I saw this awesome, awesome documentary, but you will not watch it in any way. <laughs> I, I honestly, I hey, think you. it's from like 2011. And, yeah, so I I'll look for it, but if not, yeah. I would I appreciate. And that it was great it. because it was filled with footage of the of the old record store that obviously me and Tommy used to go to and it was just it was great to see that stuff again and remember because that was I mean I, I that's that side of music that came out of I didn't know that they originated in Denver they opened that store in, I, I had no idea either. they opened that store in Denver and moved to Chicago oh, I never knew that I thought they were originally based yeah. from Chicago and, alone and the whole thing is uh was produced and shot by um one of the guys the two the two owner's uh daughter so uh it's it's very it's a very heartfelt look at the two guys who started it and like the ideas and the concepts behind why they were doing what they were doing and the bands that they were choosing and what and kind of what what wax tracks started out as and what it ended up becoming and the reason it went that direction was at the end of the day, because it, in order to try and keep the company viable, they had to make decisions based on money. And unfortunately it ended up taking them down a road that essentially ended up killing the company, which was sad. But uh, there was a, there's an era out of Chicago and the industrial music that was brought over by these guys and introduced to the United States that we never would have had, uh, you know, and bands that never would have gotten the kind of break that they got, because of these guys and this is just this is this is totally my world uh from like the late 80s and early 90s and uh so this was just this was a lot of fun to watch for me uh, oh i gotta see that then i i went back and watched uh a very old because for some reason when i was a teenager i uh i missed like all of the old chuck norris movies <laughs> like so i never like saw like no, the no Octa- you didn't like the octagon <laughs> and good guys wear black and all i never i never Invasion saw in usa what what's that invasion usa no no it's not i think the earliest not good but it's not the worst i think the earliest chuck norris movie that i saw was like lone wolf mcquade 
That's pretty old though. That's oh, uh, Wolf McQuaid. But he was he did he, there was a whole block of like more karate based movies that oh, he did right. before that. Like Lone Wolf McQuaid is more about him actually trying to act and there might be some kicking involved. Whereas <laughs> like his early movies were more about him like, oh, he's a he's a guy in this movie who also happens to own a karate studio. You know, so it was, you know, very handy. But um I'll so part, I watched I'll part with a with a terrible secret. I got traumatized so badly <laughs> by silent rage, the right, movie right, that, rage. Movie, that i actually had to go into therapy for it that's how <laughs> when i was a kid no you're well, kidding me because there was there were a hundred reasons but a because my mom worked in a hospital so at the at that time i was convinced that she was gonna she was gonna pull a night shift one day and then some oh. immortal guy was just gonna just gonna wake up from the morgue and start killing everybody uh, I mean, it was an elaborate, my, sure. my, uh, yeah, my, my delusion was, was, was extensive. Fully formed. And that, <laughs> yeah. And that kicked in the silent. I still, I watched it again a couple of years ago and it was such a bad, it was such a schlock Terrible. piece of crap movie. <laughs> but when I was a kid, it was, it was, everything was real. It was yeah. all real. You know, that so movie. And, traumatize you now? No, no. <laughs> uh, that movie and the howling. Those two movies, when I those those were movies I should not have watched with my uh, with, well, the Howling with is my active imagination when I was a kid. The Howling is not a bad movie. No, it's not, time. and it but it was bad for a kid who just doesn't oh, understand, yeah, yeah. who can't understand that, the, that reality. You know, is is one I, thing, and fantasy is another. You know, I watched it as a twelve year old and in the theater, and uh, it's the only movie to this day that has ever made me lose a night's sleep. <laughs> the only film. And and I couldn't, it, I couldn't put a re, I couldn't put a tag on it. It's the That's only it. thing it can comes close I'll to. Give the you reason. the reason, boogers, <laughs> the werewolves in the howling. Oh Got yeah, boogers out of their nose. Yeah, <laughs> made it real. <laughs> yeah. I'm you, it was the first You're spelling mucus. You exist. <laughs> it was the first movie where where boogers came into play, and and it made all the difference in the world. It's a good, good movie. That's Rob Bottin Bottin for you. Rob Bottin? from from uh, Voyager. The goddamn, you know, it's got yeah. Robert Picardo. God damn it. Yep. Like a complete chameleon, you know. Absolutely. It was also Meg in uh, Legend. I, yeah. I, I recently, that's fantastic. But all right, I'm sorry. But that <laughs> was uh, that that was as deep into Chuck Norris. So Chuck Norris is there are two two, <laughs> and they're both stupid. There are two indelible events in my. <laughs> young life one yeah. of them was silent rage and the other one was i cannot eat uh 31 flavors ice cream because the That's logo nice. gives me a headache because i what? i we got 31 flavors ice cream one time and i ate so much i got such a migraine that i could never i i can i cannot look at that logo and not associate that with not head a migraine pain. it's a brain freeze it's a, well it turned well it, no it was a brain freeze that turned into a migraine because it lasted two days <laughs> Wow, oh, man. that's a lot. Yeah, of it was ice bad. Cream. Yeah, <laughs> no, it wasn't. That's it really wasn't the sad. amount I ate. It was how fast I ate. What what little I was given. You I know? got you. Can you eat um, other ice cream? Huh? Yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. Do, you, okay. do I look like a person who skips an ice cream every now and then? <laughs> I don't I'm know. Not, I, I don't want to make an assumption. I am not one of those people. But the thirty-one flavors, just the logo itself, just like associates wow. with like with like serious pain. So and and silent rage. 
<laughs> there's a, the two things. Every, beyond that, I had a great there's a, there. there's a very There's a very small company in western Illinois and mostly in that area and in Iowa and over in the, the Quad Cities area. It's an ice cream, a local ice cream shop, but they do boutique ice cream flavors uh, seasonal. I, I'm, I'm the same way with them as far as a company because uh, so during the holidays, they would do a cinnamon flavored ice cream. And I went, I went, I went out that way with my ex-wife one year and, you know, she was a big fan of this, like this holiday cinnamon ice cream. So we went and bought a half gallon or whatever, and we were staying at her sister's house. And, uh, I, I started digging into this thing and I ate way too much of it. And I was, I was (laughs) ill for like a day and a half. And I'm like, (laughs) I can't even, I can't even go to their stores now because I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. Thanks. You know? You Any other ice cream, I'm totally good. But you know what's great and terrible about moments like that where you're doing it, you don't realize until it's too late that something oh, yeah. bad has oh. happened, like that yeah. you've done damage. And there's like oh, there's yeah. one, there's like one that last bite, you're like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. And by then it's too late. <laughs> whatever whatever chemical reaction has gone wrong, it's already in, I, in chemical meltdown. And it's I, too that, late. That exists every moment of every day for me with circus peanuts. <laughs> those little orange weirdly marshmallowy uh, uh candy and it's like every time i see them i want one but as soon as i eat one i go oh yeah yeah <laughs> there's a reason now i remember there's a reason i don't have bags of these things they've lying got this, around my house they've got this crazy like when you bite into a fresh one it's got the craziest sort of like I don't know if it's partially aromatic and partially a flavor, but it makes it taste like Pepto-Bismol. It's the weirdest. Oh. It is the weirdest thing. Wow. Yeah. What's wrong with you, fool? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're creative yeah. people and we don't uh, function well. In, in, anyway, so I rounded, in society I, rounded out at my, large. I rounded out my Saturday with three 80s horror films. Uh, we're, we Joe, we're just getting to the films now, Jeff. Yeah. A- April, April, <laughs> April, April Fool's Day. You have a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> April, April. No one wants to say that aloud on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> April, April Fool's Day, The Burning, Never saw and uh, Dario Argento's Tenebrae. Oh, wow. What's the there second you. one? The Burning. Oh, The Burning. Yeah. What happens in that movie? <laughs> uh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> oddly enough does it take place in the arctic nope <laughs> oddly enough a uh a prank goes awry ending in a caretaker being badly burned oh no he comes back five years later and, and proceeds to kill a bunch of people with a pair of he's head mad shears, so. he's he's got an axe to grind he's got a know? head shear to grind he does <laughs> He's still and, carrying uh, the torch. Yes, uh, I did it. I did go. do it. I'm so sorry. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and then Deirdre went to bed, and uh, I stay up. I'd stayed up and watched a another another excellent focus documentary on director Hal Ashby, who I knew literally nothing about, and what his kind of family of films was until I watched it. Did he do The Freshman? No. That was Andrew Bergman. Yes. Never mind. Yeah. He did a, he did a, he did like seven movies in the 1970s and they were all magnificent. And then he slipped into the eighties and I don't know what happened, but 
his, was less magnificent. <laughs> far less magnificent, <laughs> yes. But his his block of movies from the 70s are shockingly solid. Oh, being there? Yep. That was his yeah, last movie. That was his last movie of the 70s. One of the best endings ever to a movie. Fantastic movies. Yeah. He started off with which uh, ones, Jeff? He, he start Harold and Maude. Yeah. Shampoo. Oh my God, Harold and Maude. Oh my God, yeah, Harold and Maude. The Last Detail, Shampoo, Bound for Glory, Coming Home, and Being There are his seventies yeah, movies. Be, being there is just the ending of Being There is like okay, here we go. So <laughs> good that is, I I saw That's that. Great. Me, and my mom no. went and saw that in the theater, and I was I was I was I loved that movie from the moment I saw. I've never forgotten that movie. Um, if you don't get the point of it. Then he he just puts the last scene and he's like, okay, yep, here's your last chance of getting the point of this. <laughs> and if you don't get it, then it's all I can do. Never gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's great. It's one of my favorite endings. It's brilliant. So then uh, uh, Sunday morning, I watched the third out of four films from the Blind Dead quadrilogy called The Ghost Galleon. And if you've never seen any of the Blind Dead movies, they are a a, a terrible bunch of Italian <laughs> Italian horror films involving a series of reanimated Templar skeletons who come back and uh, uh, eat people. So they uh, they're on a ship this time. This is, from what I understand, this one is generally considered to be the best of the four. I thought the first one was a little better, but honestly. And I'm a big ship horror guy, movie like boat horror guy. So I was happy to see them on a boat, but you know, whatever. Uh, and then I watched uh, American Ultra again because oh. I wanted to see if it lived up to what I remembered it being. And uh, it did. I, I like Jesse Eisenberg and, and Kristen Stewart in those roles. It was, I, for me, it was good. It was, it's, it's popcorn fun. It's not, it's not, deep thinking stuff it's just dumb action and you know for that i i like it you look like you had something to say about that jeff oh uh, i wouldn't have chosen it to watch again okay <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it based off a comic no yeah. he's it is I, I thought it was wasn't it hassan a, a, a graphic novel or something I, it's I, a max it's a max landis script but i don't oh, i didn't think it was based on anything right no you're right you're right i, I mix it up i'm wrong and then we rewatched a accidentally rewatched uh, a horror film that I thought we hadn't seen. And then we watched uh, a movie again with Jesse Eisenberg, more recent, uh, with him Stop doing and, that. and Imogen Poots uh, called Vivarium. Have any of you seen this? Oh, uh, yeah. The one where he goes into the neighborhood and all the houses are the same. Exactly. And then he stops right. Or whatever. Right. Uh, very, very strange film with a very, very strange ending. Good. I'm all over that. Uh, yeah, put that one on your list because I'd love to get your your take on that eventually. Bye, Yeah, it is. It is. I, remember, it, I didn't write that. Down. It is odd. Is that on Netflix? Yes. It's still on. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched AVP again, just because I've I have grown to love that movie. And uh, that's Alien versus Predator, folks. In case you didn't catch, yeah, I know. We don't, we don't deserve the the full title, I guess. Well, no, <laughs> like, what? No, AVP. Li- literally, you everyone a, calls it AVP. You got medical insurance. <laughs> that's the first thing I was gonna. Ask. Wait, don't they protect my house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not part of consumption. What's going on? You're padding your account. <laughs> Wait, this All is right. a commercial. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then uh, I watched our, our two films for tonight, and uh, and that was the that was the amount of my consumption for the week. So not uh, nothing too crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, nothing too crazy. Just a little. Twelve twelve a week for you then, basically. Twelve or twelve <laughs> or fifteen movies, and uh, you know, pretty slow. Yeah, You're slacking, I dude. Oh, I forgot about Roots. I watched Roots. <laughs> get it in it some I watched Roots, Shogun, and Taipan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, well and Shogun. Uh, and after that, Shogun. Just to, <laughs> just because I was bored, I just cracked and into every Shogun. Richard Chamberlain miniseries, <laughs> yeah. which is about ninety five hundred hours worth of television. Steve, I got a, a fast. Um, uh, uh, Steve McQueen story. Great. Uh, if you're, uh, I am all for of... Steve McQueen story. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> we, uh, uh, I work in the motion picture industry, so uh, uh, once in a while we're called to a studio uh, to have a meeting to talk about uh, some big new franchise because we do the the transmedia for it. We we help uh, organize worlds and. Uh, build out shared universes with, uh, with, with the studios. And um, uh, we were asked to meet with a gentleman named Chad McQueen. Yeah, it's his son. <clears throat> um, Chad uh, wanted to talk to us about a lost Steve McQueen project. Hmm. Uh, and he took us to an office where there was this huge case. And uh, he, he, it was just a, a few of us in the room. Uh, my partner, Mark Penzavalli, was with me. And he opened up the case. And uh, there were several huge, thick, leather-bound volumes, uh, each called Yucatan. Um, and apparently, uh, this was going to be Steve McQueen's masterwork. Um, huh. uh, a, a, this was 1,700 pages Oh, good uh, detailed notes yes. and storyboards for a, a uh, Indiana Jones style um, epic uh, treasure hunt uh, adventure wow. set in uh, the Mexican uh, Yucatan right. Peninsula. Really, really uh, fascinating. There were extensive underwater scenes. Um, uh, there were uh, car chases, um, uh, spectacular stunts, aerial uh, a stunts. It was about a, a group of thieves who attempt to steal an ancient uh, treasure uh, buried in the in the Yucatan. So uh, the 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 problem that that Chad had was that it was so massive, they didn't quite know how to shape it into a, right. a you know like a two two and a half hour feature. Right. Organize it. And um, and we had been our reputation was for taking massive story worlds and and organizing them and trying to find the most potent narrative threads in, in the uh uh in, in these you know like massive video games or or you know um yeah. uh, literary trilogies and, and things like that um and we said yes it was awesome it was you know what, what was so fascinating was you, when you look at this material, you're thinking about what he's thinking in his mind, you know, what, what fascinates Steve McQueen. And he's such an icon, right? This picture of masculinity and, and uh, you know, he had done these magnificent uh, movies and, and really 
he wanted to be Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. That's when did he write it, Jeff? What's that? When was it written? Uh, this was written in the years uh, uh, shortly before his death. Um, and, um, and we were... Which was... Oh gosh, um, uh, do you remember Steve when he, uh, yes, he was, was uh, early nineties? Yes. Oh yes. no, it was eighty something. Was it in the eighties? I thought. Yeah. What's his last movie? Uh, the stunt or not stuntman? Um, that wanted dead or alive or not wanted dead or alive, but that movie like wanted dead or alive. The hunter. The hunter. He died 19, in nineteen eighty. Yeah, nineteen eighty. Holy cow! And this was in yes, around. This uh, was before Raiders. This was in the late aughts. We were we were taken to uh, to look at this. So um, wow, and uh, nothing yeah. ever came of it. Oh, um, you know who has it? Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, no kidding. Uh, so he has currently he has the uh, the rights to it. Um, uh, <clears throat> okay, it, it, it's been a tough egg to to crack for them. Well, I bet there was so much they probably they probably don't know which way to go. They probably don't know whether to try and build it out as multiple as a multiple film franchise or try exactly. and distill it down as one big story or or what to, right, how, to, right. how to approach it. In this day and age, it'd make a magnificent streaming. You know, uh, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, thing. There were there were broad elements that would be familiar to us in in this day and age, but um, but it's enough that was specific about it. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Wow, boy, I'd love to uh, love to get a look at some of that stuff. That must have been something else. We um we we've had a number of those kinds of adventures where yeah. where we you know we there are there are all these lost or hidden epics in in Hollywood. Um, sure. Um, uh, Will Smith has a a gigantic uh, uh, fantasy epic. Um, uh, that's that's just so fascinating that I can't possibly talk about. <laughs> but but you, you know, they, they all have them. Yeah, it's, it's really really interesting. They all have that thing that's in that's in their head and, and close to their heart. They just don't know how to quite realize it fully. That's right. Right on. Cool, man. So uh, so for Jeff's uh, uh, tie-in film, uh, it's not really – I'm not going to call it a guilty pleasure because uh, this in film is in no way um, objectively seen as bad or uh, even uh, uh, unacceptable. Yeah, it's not, it's not, but, it's not uh, a basket case. <laughs> it's not a yeah, basket it is, case. It is not a basket case. <laughs> it's an oddity, that, you know. It's, it's a little bit, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, so it, it's Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Ladies and gentlemen. Whether you like it or not. Ow! Hedwig! Don't you know me, Kansas City? I'm the new Berlin Wall. Try and turn me down. How did some slip of a girly boy become the internationally ignored song stylist barely standing before you? Damn, I can't believe you're not a girl. It is clear that I must find my other half. But is it a he or a she? Can two people actually become one? One day in the late mid-80s, I was in my early late 20s. Songs exploded out of us. We were outgrossing monster trucks in Wichita. When it comes to huge openings, a lot of people think of me. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, both of you. Hedwig and the Angry Hits. When I think about all people i have come upon in my travels i have to think about the people who have come upon me 
2001 from director John Cameron Mitchell with a running time of 95 minutes. A young transgender singer in a rock band weaves her life story via flashbacks and live performances by her band while they tour on the same path as her former boyfriend's band across America. Jeff, why did you uh, why did you pick Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Uh, well, um, uh, actually, uh, Hassan uh, just just mentioned the fact that um, uh, our sensibilities uh, over the span of of a couple of decades can truly uh, shift. And uh, and so, uh, what started out as as something that was so covert that that even uh, in the midst of of Midnight Cowboy, you you had to be kind of looking closely if if you knew nothing about that that lifestyle and right. and so forth and and that those subcultures to understand what was going on. And here you have you know, this spectacular uh, kind of gay spectacle, <laughs> a, 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 a rock opera, uh, you know, devoted to gender and, and, uh, and sexuality and identity. And, um, and it's, it's kind of a celebration of it all. And, um, and it, it, it's, you know, it does so in a, a blatantly strange and, and, uh, and forthright way also uh with with Hedwig and the Angry Inch uh, as someone who loved uh who loves uh universes and cosmologies um uh, you could look at at this film as a kind of fractal <laughs> um uh, you know it 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 knows itself so well that it's able to kind of explode itself into every aspect of itself <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, um, uh, so it, it, it kind of quotes itself um, and, and it, it, it uh, divides itself and multiplies itself uh, all along the way. And, and I, I just love that about it. it, it there's a, um, um, you know, a, a kind of metaphysics to the, the film that um, uh, I, I really appreciate. And you know the songs aren't bad, <laughs> you know, which in musicals that that's kind of iffy. So you know it's a kind of post-punk neo-glam rock odyssey, <laughs> uh, and um, uh, you know that draws its uh, inspirations quite literally from uh, people like Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and David Bowie, um, and um, uh, and and kind of celebrates that aspect of, of art and, and expression. Uh, my last point about the, uh, the, the film in general is that um, <clears throat> uh, it, it, um, it was created in the wake of the freedom wave. Um, uh, so uh, the Soviet Union at the, at the time had, had fallen and, um, and so Berlin represented the last uh, uh, bastion of the Cold War. And it was uh, a city divided uh, by this incredible wall. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and Hedwig, uh, you know, is, is literally born from the destruction of, of that wall. Uh, the uh, union of, of two halves of one of the most uh, beautiful cities in the world. And so, there is a, um, uh, you know, one of the, the good things about the 90s 
<laughs> um, or resulted in in uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. When uh, when you when you picked this movie, I, I immediately remembered seeing it when it came out, but I could not honestly remember one scene from the movie or much, if anything, of the storyline. Um, and I think that is more about who I was as a person seeing films at that time, as opposed to the quality of the film. Uh, this time around, I once it started, I was so thoroughly engrossed in everything that was going on in this film. It's so well written. The songs are so are so well done and tied in with the narrative non-musical parts of the film as far as storytelling goes that there's just this natural flow of a story in and out of the songs as they happen you don't there's no point where you think a song is holding up the story and it's so beautifully done and like i said the story itself is done so interesting and it's interestingly and to know that this came from a very successful stage play it was then converted into a, a film version, which then obviously opened up, you know, the room for them to be able to expand and show more settings and, you know, to have all these other things to do. Uh, I'd be really interested in, in actually seeing this on the stage because I, I think that would be really it would be really interesting to see how they handled the same story on a much, much smaller scale and a much, much smaller platform. But uh, this movie was an absolute treat uh you know i we've we've watched a few musicals uh in the last uh number of weeks for various reasons and this is this is by far uh this one doesn't really get talked about that much and and it's unfortunate because i think if more people especially people who do appreciate musicals knew about this movie i i think that the subject matter is handled so as much as it's thrown in your face, the subject matter is handled so deftly and it's, and it's, 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 it's delivered to you in such a manner that they're never, they're never doing it in a way that is, that I think would come across to people as being like, they're trying to be so overt with it. Like, you know, like so much of the, of the, of that, of that lifestyle, tends to get overblown and i think that it becomes a point where people who are so steadfastly against that world are offended by that sort of overtly overt gayness and i think that this film is very very sensitive to that and deliver and while it it thrives in that world it delivers everything it needs to you in a manner that never seems like it's shoving your face in it and rubbing your nose in it I just, I just really, I really, really liked watching this movie again. Wow, <laughs> that's great! Thank you. That's, I, that's I cool. just, uh, this movie was was so much fun to watch again, and, and I'm, I'm so glad that I watched it with 20, 20 years under my belt after the fact because I, I think that I, if I never would have gone back to this, I, I, f I feel honestly after watching it like, and obviously I never would have known, but I feel like I would have missed out on something. And I, I think that this is a movie that's uh, important well beyond the sort of just general kind of obvious reasons, which is it's a great movie and a great story. And, and the guy who who wrote and directed the movie and starred in the movie as Hedwig is the guy who wrote and created 
the stage play. I mean, this is the guy who's behind the whole thing. This is his baby. So it's amazing for this guy to be able to make that transition between stage and film and put those worlds together. Cause it usually takes guys from different, those different medias or mediums. They don't always are. They aren't always able to bridge those gaps. And I think the guy, what this guy was able to do is, is nothing short of magnificent. Hassan, what do you think? My cats are done fighting. So I'm going to turn my <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Cat fight. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's the only it's the only game in town here, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> for the last year and a half. Hassan and the Angry Claw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the two Angry Claws. Are you kidding? Twenty, um, 20. 20 Angry, 20 angry yeah, Claws. Exactly. I think the the first of all, I had no idea what I was. I I I yeah. I mean, the, the title of the film is evocative, you know, or or provocative uh, in in so many ways. Did you watch so, the trailer for this before you went in? Nah, okay. I didn't, I didn't bother doing it. Sometimes um, I watch the trailers, like if there's movies that I haven't seen before. Sometimes I'll watch the trailer before. I've done that um, yeah. when, when movies I have no idea how to crack into, like especially, um, uh, you know, Dave Made a Maze. Like right. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, because I, I remember <laughs> the, the seminal disturbing uh, a moment for me on this podcast was uh was solange right so i'm right. not i'm not blindly walking into i'm never i never again blindly walking into any movie we never so, found out what hassan, what hassan did to solange yeah, <laughs> yeah no, i turned it off that's what i did oh, um yeah. so but i but you know hedwig is hedwig hedwig and the angry inch like look it's sometimes you get a movie and it'll sound it'll sound evocative of one thing and it'll mean something completely different. But you now this is the, the 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 title means exactly what what you think it means when you hear it. <laughs> well, on multiple levels. I mean, multiple. It's the name of the band. It's yes. you know, obviously, it's the name of. But and, situation. and then as, as she as she yeah. tells her story, you're like, oh, all right, I get it. Um, <laughs> to just to talk about the progress that we've all made when I first when, uh, when this came out in like 2001, I think. Yeah. Um, I remember reading. Uh, about the, the you know like the bylines about the whatever the, the log lines about what the film was about and they kept dead naming her and calling her a him and sure. so in all the material the supplemental material that I've looked at as of this week for this film they they all appropriately refer to her as a she you know mm -hmm. so it's I mean there's that and I mean it's very blatant you know there's a, that there's that, a little growth <laughs> yes there's there's years. at least that. <laughs> The, the, the grotesqueness of this kind of stuff is is usually or the oddity of this kind of stuff is usually in the, the way the person um, who is a subject of it is carrying themselves. So this spectacle of a you know of a person for the for her show performance is very odd and off-putting for maybe a minute and a half well there's an unquestionable level of confidence in that in that character yeah the minute the minute she starts into her act you're like oh all right i get it you know like it's not <laughs> it's not even you it it becomes the 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 wildness of her appearance becomes something completely different it becomes it, it becomes like almost affectionate 
or you know endearing that's what i was Mm -hmm. was gonna say you know the the you know and and, i mean this before all the stories of her her sure you know her, her biography that that fucked up story that that she tells in the process of all this is 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 elaborated on and you know you got the you it doesn't the the movie doesn't lean into the <laughs> into the the the, the crowd the the, the fury oh. of the crowd as to what they're performing really, in a chain of family yeah, restaurants really bad dinner the theater that that they're being subjected to God. and they just you get you get the 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 occasional greasy eye from somebody but you know nothing nothing really big is made out of it um another sad story but it's very it's a it's just as just as dustin hoffman's like end in um in uh, uh midnight cowboy is is a kind of a triumphant finale if you look at it the right way this is a this story in and of itself is less ambiguous about how it's a triumph you know mm-hmm. for the and i mean you know the character wins you know spoiler uh so you know there's that but it's i didn't realize it was a musical i mean i didn't realize there were going to be musical numbers in it yeah so that was one revelation and then there were good there were good numbers in it you know yeah and you just you just don't know as soon as you realize that you're in for someone telling you a story in the process of going through what they you know and and you and then this is this is the anxiety for me all the time in watching movies is like what kind of story is this i don't really care um what the story you know what the subject matter of the story is i just want to know what kind of story is it what what are you telling me and how are you telling it to me you know like my biggest uh, this is this is really a little off subject but my biggest curiosity with um with infinity war wasn't like I just want to see Thanos kick everybody's ass, and you know I just wanted like how are you going to tell that story? You know you've been building up to this for ten years, and you've been telling it's like just just I just I'm curious how you tell a, a story of that size. You know right. I'm just curious and how that's going to roll out. So when a movie in the very first like maybe f- you know ten minutes of the film explains to you exactly how it's about to. You know, present you the information it's going to give you. Um, I'm I'm almost appreciative of that. Like I watch it, like oh, that's all right. I got you. Now, you know, <laughs> exactly. What I, yeah, I'm going to be able to. I'm going to be able to be here. I'm going to be with this. Like I'm not going to be scratching my head. Like what exactly is this about? You know. So, yeah. so the subject matter to me is almost secondary and in, in, to to the to the Delivery. method. Yeah, the method and how the story is told. And it's it's a great it's a, it's really a great story with great music and I'm a musician or used to be a musician, so the fact that there's some of these really great, you know, '70s era you know feeling rock songs, mm-hmm. and you know the the song about the origins of love and stuff, the stuff like just you know it's great stuff, gut punching you know when yeah. you when you listen to the subject matter, um and the character the the character herself is damaged but very likable which is another important thing because a oh, lot yeah. of times people are the, the 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 characters are portrayed so damaged and the and the the their lack of likability is supposedly a byproduct of the damage and so you're supposed to you know theoretically you're supposed to be, feel sympathetic because of the damage but a lot of filmmakers don't understand or a lot of storytellers don't understand that some in some way in some small way no matter how despicable or 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 
or pathetic a character is, they still have to be likable or relatable in some right. way so that you can, you know, because you want a champion who the who supposedly the champion of the story. And that's not a derogatory on this character because I'm, I neither find her despicable or, or pathetic. But now, I'm just saying, Hedwig is does um, uh, uh, does have flaws. Uh, she yes. exerts uh, control over, uh, you know. Yeah, the, the relationship that that she's in is is is, and I mean it's it's dis- it's on display from the beginning. You know that there's that there's Boy. trouble, but she's still likable. She's still honest about it. Right. Honest about the damage that she's doing. As, as well as the, um, uh, the 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 damage that has been done to her, so that makes that's all you need really is a is a, a level of self awareness in the character, that's right. and then they can almost it's odd if you get if you hit that sweet spot they can almost do anything and the audience will stay with them you know, um, and this this achieved that so I had no I mean I don't know if I would have gravitated towards a movie called Hedwig and the Angry Inch without <laughs> without like without it being the subject of someone else saying you got to watch this or <laughs> being at a party or you know doing a podcast where people right. come on and say look I, I demand you watch this movie this week so we can discuss it <laughs> but it's another one of these like precious gems that you discover in the in the process that that's now part of your library that you're really happy that you ran into it's it's comparable to like uh to to and not because of the subject matter but it's comparable to rocky horror in my opinion that's right yeah um a number of other you know uh of, of story you know musical stories like that the music is great which is really important um oh, and yeah. not a lot of people realize that that it's really important <laughs> that this music be really good and the, the it's it's kind of a great story and it doesn't doesn't kick you in the in the well sort of they last the end of it sort of is mm, it kicking a little the, bit yeah kicking the groin <laughs> but but not as when not as bad as midnight cowboy but so it, you didn't pay a price for watching it you know like oh geez you yeah, know and, and you know with any film that that tackles this kind of subject matter you almost feel like especially nowadays you almost feel like there's gonna be a scene in that movie where a bunch of straight guys are going to come in and something really bad is going to happen because there's got to be some kind of growth from that or something. So it was super refreshing to not have really any scene, even remotely like that in this film at all. Very good. It's a, it's a strange thing. Not, not exploiting the struggle, you know, the struggle is there. It's real in the background. It is, but the, the 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 reason why the movie is more of a revelation is is Hedwig is a is a fully realized character that's not that's not traumatized about the 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 series of events about that made her she who is. she is right it that she's she's traumatized because someone stole her art you know and then <laughs> yeah, she's right. you know and it's it's a real life it's you know it's it's a it's a universal experience of I want to get back at this person. Who you know who who blatantly ripped me off, and I, I am not. Pre- yeah, and I'm not prepared to admit to anybody that my goal is to get back at the person who blatantly <laughs> ripped me off. And it has nothing to do with all of the other things that could they the they she definitely could have hung the entire movie you know the lantern on the on any of the series 
of seriously fucked up things that happened to her yep. that that just caused her a, to be who she is just had a concern yes <laughs> i would like to, I, yeah i would like to 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 get what's owed to me so that's a you know that's a thing i i i will say as an african-american sometimes watching a movie with african-americans in it who aren't dealing with the struggle of being african-americans is very refreshing like they just I just want to go to the movies, you know, like I just, you know, I just want to go to the grocery store. I'm not, I'll, I'll deal with the, I'll deal with the struggle on, you know, on the way home or when, you know, when I realize that there's no, pan, uh, you know, uh, uh, baby diapers and, and, uh, uh, you know, now I'm going to get killed by my wife, you know, like regular normal things. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't diminish the, the tragedy of the, of being otherized. You know, but sometimes there are other things that go on in your life that have nothing to do with how much everybody else hates you, you know, (laughs) so that's that was another thing. And then, yeah, and like I said, the big thing for me is that all the music was was awesome. So, yeah, this is great film. Glad I saw it. The two of them together probably should stop watching these things back to back um, <laughs> because they, they start to warp my uh my sensibilities but this was this was great i watched this one first also because uh, I, I had already seen midnight cowboy so it this that was impressive. <laughs> yeah the pall of midnight cowboy did not get on hedwig so that was fantastic i mean the first shot where she just kind of just storms into the restaurant you know and we're going you know like we're, we're off to the races at that point it's and then it just has you from that point to the end. It's she's fantastic. got that. She's got that great cape with the Yankees. Uh-huh. Yankees go home with that's me. A, uh, yeah. that's, that's actually a simulation yes. of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. yeah. And doing and doing her, you know, doing a Freddie Mercury walk, you know, like a gate on her. Like we're we're gonna, you know, I'm, I don't care how small this venue is. I'm gonna blow the doors off this place. You know, that's yeah, that's fantastic for so many reasons. You know, especially as being a musician who has, you know, who has almost clinical stage fright. You know, it's <laughs> it's a big deal. So I loved it. it was a good film. Awesome. Um, Lay? I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, just a, a quick, a, a couple of comments on uh, uh, what, what Hassan was talking about. You could see uh, H- Hedwig as a kind of superhero origin story. Cameron Mitchell had said when she takes the wig down from the shelf and defines herself, creates herself, everyone can relate to that. The idea of self-invention and self-discovery and defining yourself. And in the end, Hedwig lets go of the drag and and walks into the world naked this is me i'm a gender of one um uh, so there is a kind of cosmic aspect uh to the character as well a larger than life mythic uh, kind of aspect absolutely good stuff you know how when you're talking about a movie with people who are really passionate about it and suddenly you like it more because of what they're saying (laughs) that's that's what has just happened to me here Although I will give myself some points, Jeff, you have you have caused me to bought to buy the first CD soundtrack I have bought in a long time. Wow! And I bought this immediately. The music in this movie, the first three, well, I think it's the first three songs. Definitely, Jeff, tear me down and angry. I mean, those are you cannot fathom, Jeff, what a compliment that is coming oh, yeah. from from latham you know that that he bought 
did he did he soundtrack to a movie bought tangible music of of a movie yeah you know, we that's, didn't buy cds anymore okay i mean not, yeah. there's not many and i have about i'm almost at five thousand cds so but i haven't bought one in a while and bought, bought one in a long time any cd so this you know not only a soundtrack but i mean the songs in this movie anytime there's a musical number it's memorable and the first three I mean the punk sequence with Angry Inch. I mean that that song fucking rocks. Okay, yeah. that, that's brilliant. Origin of Love, it grows on you as you're hearing it, and then the reprise later. It's a gut fantastic. punch. <laughs> and you know, it. I got to be careful how I word this. The sequence. I, I like the movie. I like the movie, and I like it even better after hearing you guys talk about it. The sequences in between all the musical sequences. I guess I have to say I'm ignorant to a lot of things transgender. And I'm just being honest. I don't I I, I can try and sympathize and say I understand it after seeing this movie, but I'd be lying. I I, I you know I I wish no harm upon transgender people. I that they're I have no bias against them. I think it sucks when people hurt them or hurt any, you know, anybody in any sense, but the, there's this overt, it seems like a lot of what, what this character is concerned with is always sexual. And I don't fully understand that. And maybe I'm wrong and that's, and I miss something, but it seems like there's always something with their lifestyle that has to be brought into the realm of sexuality and, and, and like nothing else creeps in. It's just that. And again, it's, I may be wording it wrong, uh, but it's not an insult. I'm just saying it was hard for me to relate to that in a lot of the sequences in between the musical sequences. I didn't dislike it. And I liked how deliberate uh, what's his name? John Cameron Mitchell. All yeah. right. I, I, I liked how deliberate, I should say she he's a she or it's a she right yes yes okay so how she portrayed everything was deliberate and you know had a distinct style to it and that to me that's that's half the battle if you you know I might not like her film completely but she put it out there and made it the way she wanted to and adapted her own you know, musical from it. So I understand that. I think I would have liked it a little bit more if some of those sequences in between the musical numbers were a little bit shorter. It's not a long movie. It just felt at times like they were dragging a bit, but I understand what the point uh, uh, of her making this was and, and what the themes behind it are. Um, I'm trying to, it's hard to, I'm just trying to choose my words carefully. I I enjoyed it a lot. (laughs) Her performance is amazing. Um, Some of the sporting supporting characters, I think um, I didn't like the, uh, uh, her boyfriend. Um, I did talk. Yeah. I think it's uh, a, I didn't, I didn't like that. Who was portrayed by a woman the entire time. Right. I, I, I didn't, it, it didn't resonate with me. And I, I, that's the only character I didn't really buy. 
Um, the fantasy sequences or the, the sequences that were meant to be more fantasy were really creative. I like some of the shots. The last shot is great in the film. Uh, you never know when it's going to end, which is kind of cool. So I, I, I like it. I just, I think I have to plead ignorance on some of the, on relating to it. And that's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I don't fully understand. <laughs> I, I Not understand. that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there is, because we, we want, uh, the thing that's wrong with it is we have to understand different cultures and the way people are and everybody. That's, that's a good thing to do. I, I don't fully get certain. That's kind thoughts. of a, that's kind of a misconception though. I don't, I don't know if you have to understand them. I think you just have to, you have to understand that you don't understand them. That's, oh, well, then, then I'm definitely, I think that's absolutely the first there. step. And then, yeah. but I don't, but do they want to be more understood? Does she want people to take something more, to take more out of this and understand what her passion is and why this was created in the first place? Because I, it, if, if it's not that important, then I just enjoyed it as a musical and loved the music. But well, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that's misplaced. You know, I don't think that's a that's an incorrect interpretation of, I mean, the the she also wrote the music, you know, so that's yeah, and, and, yeah, but it's a complete piece of art. So uh, I would recommend it to anyone to see, and and I'm sure some people who would see it would not feel comfortable watching this movie, but it's definitely not graphic in any way, no. and it's and that's the amazing thing about it. It's just. That's in fact, that's a cool thing about it that it doesn't. I mean, the next film he directed is a film with non simulated sex in it. Okay. Uh, that I believe was rated NC 17 called Short Bus. Am I correct? Yep. And that's a totally different story. This is accessible to almost anybody and to, I think, people that don't understand the transgender community or what transgender people are i i think this is would be a perfect introduction to seeing a part of what life like that is and i'm not saying they're all like musical people that jump around and sing songs i'm just saying it's it's very honest and you know that that adds to you know one reason why i liked it that in the music wait from uh, one way to look at this is is that um uh the the filmmakers, uh, Cameron Mitchell, also wanted to talk about the human condition in, in sure. general. And, and um, uh, a lot of this is illustrated through the uh, Aristophanes uh, uh, origin of love uh, uh, sequence, which, by the way, I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, you had Dennis Calero talking about Xanadu. Yes. Where there was an animated sequence yeah. In, in Xanadu, completely like out of place. Whereas <laughs> here this is we the are, opposite fits perfectly <laughs> with with something that fits uh, absolutely perfectly. Uh, um, and um, and and note, uh, Latham, that that what what's really being examined in the film, I, I think, is that um, you know all of us were once these kind of round two-faced four-armed four-legged beings <laughs> and that gods who were jealous uh, split us apart <laughs> you know yeah it's right. an interesting myth we yearn for that other half 
um, the the gods in in the case of the film um, seem to me to be intergenerational trauma. Um, you know, wow, so, so our our ability to love ourselves, inch or no inch, um, gets destroyed. It, it was destroyed in original sin. It's destroyed in these world wars, um, and uh, and at her core, Hedwig is the middle length, uh, middle link in a, in a chain of abuse. You know, um, uh, she was coerced into changing her sex through an irreversible yeah, operation right. from some older guy. You know, she yeah. really sort of didn't want to do it. You know, and and that hurt her. Uh, and and caused her to hurt others, you know, down down the, the link of the chain. Um, uh, so you know, she only really feels whole when she realizes that she can't keep pursuing these vendettas or or you know uh, the, these conflicts or even these love affairs from outside of her. It's it's inside uh, uh, that that kind of counts, and that's a universal kind of, of theme that, that's here. Uh, uh, yes, it, it's a beautiful uh, story about a transgendered person and, and, um, and Cameron Mitchell makes no bones about that, but it's almost secondary to the, uh, you know, the more mythic kind of theme of, of who we are and what happens to us when we're fucked with. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's a good point. Like she had a little bit of there are scenes in there where you see like her, her like, you know, move her arm real quick or like flail, like where you see that anger manifest in a, right. in a physical motion. And it like, it like, it only happens a few times, but it gets you. Um, and when she's staring at uh, uh, Yitzhak, I'm sorry if I've got the name wrong. Yeah. Uh, when she's staring at Yitzhak, when, when uh, she leaves the, um, uh, the, or the, he leaves the the uh, room there, and when the pizza gets delivered, that stare. I mean, it, there's just moments like that that are that are really uh, really powerful. That's right. Yeah, the, one of the other things that stuck out to me in the movie was uh, I, I loved watching all the scenes when they would open up during the performances inside these little these these yeah. this chain of restaurants, <laughs> and like they would they would like the one and I can't remember where they were if they were in Massachusetts or Missouri, but the one where there's all the old people eating and they're like performing and she starts just getting up and walking along like the divider and walking table to table. And she squats over the one old guy's face. And it's like the, the fringe of her dress is on his face. And she's like, we're at the car wash. <laughs> yeah, that's, I yeah. literally busted out laughing at that one. But uh, there, yeah, this, this movie was, uh, this was an absolute joy to watch. Uh, I'll, I'll probably go back and watch this at least once more. Because uh, I, I, I want to make sure Deirdre sees this, because I, uh, I I happened to we I, I kind of waited. <clears throat> we're in the midst of doing other things and watching other stuff, and uh, I watched both of these today myself. Uh, so I will. I definitely want her to see uh, Hedwig for sure. So. And Latham bought the soundtrack. That's Latham bought the soundtrack. That's that's a amazing. big deal. That's amazing. I did, do, I did do it on media mail, so it will, it will take a little while to get here. It wasn't a, it wasn't an overnight delivery purchase, but I'm excited to play it once I get it. And I got the movie soundtrack, not the not the original. The cat, the Broadway show recording. Yeah, right? no, I, yeah. I really like how the songs were done on the movie, and 
I, yeah, it's fun. There's that little clip in the movie with uh, with her, like they're the band, her and the band making an appearance on the Roseanne show. Uh, oh yeah, that was cool. which is funny because apparently that was actual stock footage from when he was promoting the off Broadway show in New York. That's brilliant. brilliant and they idea. and they did an appearance on the Roseanne or not the Roseanne. Uh, what's her name? Rosie O'Donnell on the Rosie O'Donnell show, and that's what that piece of footage is from. Instant legitimacy by throwing that clip in that yeah. just gets the, yeah. makes the movie bigger. So, uh, guys, I saw Hedwig and the Angry Inch on Broadway during, wow. during its run. With Neil Patrick Harris with Michael C. Hall, Dexter. Oh, oh my God! Wow. <laughs> and was he, boy, was, he, was he was he after Neil Patrick Harris? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he was he was terrific. Uh, wow. a, a little more muscular, right? Than, uh, than, <laughs> yeah. Than uh, our our other uh, performers, but um, but still uh, uh, thrilled to do it. Uh, uh, completely committed to the role. <laughs> yeah, the next time I uh, Howard Chaykin is a big fan of musical theater, and uh, he's always in and out of New York seeing shows. So I want to uh, I want to ask him if he's seen or how a how many times he's seen this and how many versions he's seen because he's uh-huh. uh, I feel like he would be a he would definitely like this one. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's the story of uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I, I, everyone should watch this. It's it is it's <laughs> flat out so much fun. I mean, oh, really. Goodness. And it's it's just it, it's just, at its core. It's so well done. Just telling the story. I mean, you don't have to, you know, just an, an enjoyable. I mean, listen, if you're a person who doesn't like musicals, obviously, that's a that's a a, a hill you don't you're not you're not going to be able to climb. I get that. That's fine. Uh, but. You know, if you if you're if you're okay with musicals and uh, you just would like to see a really good modern, well handled musical that tells a great story, this mm-hmm. is this is absolutely one. Well, fantastic, guys! Thank you so much for uh, uh, being so thoughtful about both of my films uh, this time. Have we the Angry Inch? Thank you. Well, thank you for giving them to us. Yeah, I never <laughs> would have seen this otherwise. So. <laughs> As part are we of the, not going down the tubes, we are not. There are no posters. I didn't do posters. Okay. Uh, well, for I'll tell you this: for most of the Hed, Hedwig and the Angry Itch promotional material, you know, the film was so small, there wasn't a wide range of it. They did one poster, one good strong poster, and that's what you got. So, so yeah, I didn't bother with posters this week. So, uh, yeah, it's funny when I when I was started thinking about Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, I went to that and uh, started looking into that movie a little bit because I was trying to see if they would mention that that final scene was, you know, referenced because of Midnight Cowboy. And so I was, I was, <laughs> so apparently Chimino had wrote, written the script for Magnum force. So that's how he got to know Clint. And so he had written the script then for this other movie and he wanted to direct. So Clint got him the directing gig to direct this Thunderbolt and Lightfoot movie. <laughs> <laughs> apparently years later in an interview with jeff bridges uh because jeff was used to working with directors who they would shoot it until they quote unquote got it right whereas clint was essentially kind of directing that movie without actually directing it no uh, he was he, he was sort of steering it not really directing it chimino was making all the shots but they would do three takes of something and Chimino would be like, hey, should we go again? And Clint would be like, no, we got it. Let's move on. <laughs> like Spielberg with Poltergeist? 
Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of. You know, Clint, Clint is very is very well known in the industry as being very efficient and known as for capturing exactly what he wants in a f- couple of takes. And that's how he's become so efficient at filmmaking. And, you know, at that, probably that clearly was, was showcased early on because, <laughs> you know, Jeff would ask the director if he could do another take and the, and Chimino would ask Clint if it was okay, if they did another take. <laughs> so Clint would either acquiesce or no, but he would be like, no, 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 we're got it. Let's, let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> when, when that man passes away, there is just going to be a, there is going to be an absolute, the floodgates are going to open with like stories about filmmaking stories with Clint Eastwood. That I can't wait for. Will that chair be at his funeral? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> the, the uh, <laughs> they just shut up. It's midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. Well, anyway, Jeff, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on with us again. Thank you guys. And bringing two fun. great movies with you. This is two good choices. That was fun. Boy, you you guys take your time. Holy cow. You, 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 you get into it. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. We don't mess we around. You know, we're paid by the minute, Jeff. The longer it goes, the more money. <laughs> that was- yeah, I wish. I so wish that were true. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I'm getting something from someone. You guys aren't oh, getting that PayPal. Uh, we're not. You're you're probably getting our cut. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? We don't get paid for this. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, you know what? I, I forgot to mention. Uh, there's <laughs> so a c- couple of things about. Um, about Hedwig apparently there's a there's a deleted scene on the DVD that shows Hedwig meeting Yitzhak in Croatia in 97 when Yitzhak was performing as Crystal Knocked okay (laughs) the the band from Watchmen (laughs) (laughs) and also the band Typo Negative uh covered Angry Inch on their 2003 album oh really I love killing that yeah that would be cool. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that'd be a good cover for them. <laughs> but does uh, yeah, that was that was fantastic. You got it, guys. I got to run, but yes, uh, sir. Thank you so much, terrific. Jeff. Um, we'll, we'll let's do it again sometime. Always a pleasure, awesome. and we'll definitely have you back soon. And uh, as soon as uh, the the world allows, Hassan, I'd, I'd love to reconnect and talk about your epic novel. Yes. <laughs> I'd love to. Okay, let's talk soon. See you, Jeff. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, let me do the... Uh, let me do the... Oh, we can do, the buttery, do the buttery voice thing. Thank you very much. The, butter, the buttery us. voice thing. Joining well, us in Sin uh, Mentals. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate your patronage. Thank you very much. <laughs> So thanks to Festly and Music. Please check out our website at sentimentalpod.com for all the poster images we normally discuss on our Down the Tube segments, but not this week. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Sentimental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at sentimentalpod.com. Also, please follow us on all major social media accounts at Pod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger, Jeff Gomez, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and love-struck transgender rock star, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That Truman, he gets around. Dunsky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He makes the rounds.